Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the Voice of Magic Fans. In the virtual studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. Yo. Myself, Anthony. And today is January 5th. We are five days into the new year. And one of the major things that stand out is that 2020, end of the year Orlando Magic, we were extremely healthy. And 2021 Orlando Magic, the complete opposite. Um, The Magic, we just got off uh, with a really big win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, which puts us at, what are we, 5-2, and two, tied for second in the East, which is the complete opposite of Justin's uh, predictions. If you were listening to our last episode, uh, Justin had us at a 7-0 and o prediction. I wouldn't say it's the complete opposite. It's right? the complete we opposite. St- it's two, it's two <laughs> games down, man. We still got to five wins. Hey, I mean, I don't know. The guys, uh, the guys struggled. But I do have to say, when we got that first loss, we were missing both Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier. A healthy team would have gotten us a seven and zero. That's going to be my crutch. <laughs> yeah, and yo, the the injury has has really hit us hard because I I honestly, as much as um, I'm a big fan of Terrence Ross, um, missing him for that Philadelphia game, I, I don't know if it's just the way that he's playing this season, but man, did he's he's a player that I want to say that I definitely took for granted. It, I, there's no way that this team will survive without his fire punch off the bench. That's exactly right. It's what he brings to the table, man. He completely changes the dynamic of the team. The three-point shooting, he opens up the floor for Vooch to create. It's it's a whole different team when Ross is in the game and not in the game. Like that bench production, it's not even close. The one thing that's you know that's apparent to me is you know piggybacking off of what both of you guys said is just how important he is to this team not just from a scoring standpoint but also energy so i i went to uh the game where the magic got blown out by philly and it was embarrassing uh but terrence ross in like off the bench we were sitting behind the magic bench and he was active every single time out every possession down the floor um there was just a lot of things that both terrence ross and evan fournier bring to the team that you don't necessarily just see on the court there was a point in time during the game that uh, Chuma Kiki, I think there was a lapse on defense and um, there was a timeout called right after. And Evan, you know, came in and was just kind of talking with Chuma, walking him through the, the paces. And it's just things like that uh, that show the value of those veteran dudes, um, even when they're not on the court playing. Way to be so observant of your guy Evan Fournier on the bench when he's not playing. A hundred percent. That's why I go to the game. Uh, Just to do a quick recap, so um, Tuesday the Magic played against OKC and we took that W following the loss against Philadelphia where we lost 116-92. to Um, That Saturday we played against OKC again and they took the win um, over us 108-99. to And then our most recent game um, was on Monday against the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers where we took the W of 103-83. Now the, the last two games is where we got to see this team without Evan Fournier. What are your thoughts on how the roster looked without Evan? There's been a lot of speculations about uh, trading Evan and how Evan kind of hurts the team, hurts the roster, hurts the pace. Obviously, in a a trade scenario, we would begin something back for Evan, but in just conversation purposes, 
What did you see this roster without Evan Fournier? I think the criticism that Evan gets is sometimes just, but I think most oftentimes it isn't. I think it's built up over time and people just, you know, kind of just express their emotions. And it's cool to hate on Evan. So people do that, you know, on social media to kind of start conversation. Um, but I don't think it's it's substantial because when you look at this Magic team without Evan Fournier, they're flat. Honestly, they are. They have, especially without Terrence Ross on top of that, they have no three-point shooting, at least not a con- on a consistent level. That grit and that, like, fight is also missing. I think Evan contributes a lot more than just on the scoreboard. Um, and, you know, not having him, even though it was for two games, you're starting to see that. I think if he were missing for a longer period of time, it'd be more evident. Um, and I think Evan is proving his value on this team. And I i don't know. It's still early, but I'm feeling like he, because of him proving his worth, in that sense, he will be back here. Even though the fans might not want to hear that. So, I mean, in my opinion, with Fournier, like, like Ant said, you made a good point saying, if we were to trade him, you get something back for him. Did we miss him out there? Yeah. But what did we really miss? You know, we missed just a body that can shoot the ball. That's that's bottom line A. Like with Markel Fultz, Carter Williams, Dwayne Bacon, and Aaron Gordon, that's a lot of shooting out there. That's why you need Terrence Ross playing 30 minutes off the bench because there's nobody out there that can shoot the ball besides Vucevic. So, I mean, yeah, we, we missed him because, again, we don't have a roster with enough options to, to shoot the ball off the bench or whatever it may be. So in that sense, yeah, we missed him. Now, I will say the Evan Fournier that we have seen so far this season, the one that has been more passive, the one that's shooting open jump shots and not forcing things, that Evan Fournier, like I said last week, that Evan Fournier would have definitely helped us in that game against Philly and for sure on Saturday against OKC. would have definitely won that game. Um, so I think he's, he's made his, his point. We, he, we need him in this, in this team or we need someone like him in this team. I just don't think it's necessarily Evan Fournier. It could just be anyone like him that can just create and shoot the ball a little bit. It's tough, man, because I there's certain games that um, I do silently appreciate Evan Fournier and other days where I'm like the rest of the Magic community where I'm just kind of over it and I want something new. Um, not seeing this team without um, him and forcing us to be able to incorporate a player like um, Dwayne Bacon makes it difficult. Um, just because it's not it's not the firepower that that they bring. Uh, so, for example, we our, our roster, our starting lineup, it was Markel Foles, Dwayne Bacon, MCW. That Dwayne Bacon MCW is not it's not going to do it for us. It puts too much stress on Markel Foles, too much stress on Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and those are players that that obviously we we know what to expect with Nikola Vucevic. We know that he's a player that's going to go out and give us 20 points and and grab us a crap ton of rebounds. But Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, in my opinion, they're still inconsistent, and they have good games, and they have bad games. And Evan Fournier is a player that whether you like him or not, you have to respect that he is capable of of shooting from behind the arc. He is a threat. You have to put a body on him. But he's a triple threat where he can put the ball down and, and you know, take it to the basket. And I think that he he definitely is um, a, a missing a missing soul out there. He's In order for this team to be successful without any trades or acquisitions, um, we need Evan Ford. Mm. 
That sounds good to hear. Can you can you say that one more time? Who do, uh, who do we need? It's a it's a it's a one it's a one time deal. Uh, now I will I will say um, the difference between Saturday's game and and Monday's game is really it, so you had Vucevic that dropped thirty points, Ross twenty, and then Aaron Gordon fifteen. But we definitely saw a way better Aaron Gordon um, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. He he was six. Well, I want to say he was six for nine from the three point. Um, he, he was really good all around. He had a really solid game all around. And, uh, again, this is probably like the real first game that we really saw him make as big of his impact. This is by far his best game of the season. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was shots went down. That that's, that's the bottom line. It. I think against OKC, if we would have made a couple more open threes, which we took a ton of open shots that we just bricked, like it was just shots when I going in like that game. We sat there in the fourth quarter, and I was at a game with one of my friends, and he he kept saying, like, you know, the game has been a six-point game for, like, the longest time. Like, OKC could have beaten us by 20, but instead it was a six-point game for the longest time, and we couldn't make a layup, we couldn't make a shot. So, like you mentioned, and I think whether it would have been Gordon, whether it would have been another someone else that would have stepped up that game and helped out Vooch and Ross, we would have easily won that game. And, and that was a difference that not having Fournier in the game made for us um, that ultimately led to a loss, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm hesitant to be uh, to celebrate this performance from AG because we've seen this before. We've seen flashes before, and you know, I'm, I know people are gonna say I sound like a hater, but I'm I'm good off the flashes. Like I want to sound see, like a hater. <laughs> I want to see the consistent play from him, and I don't need him to drop 24 each night. But if he could contribute on the re on the, on the rebound and on the assist end just being active um and not hurting the team with turnovers or contested shots that aren't really in his like repertoire then i'm i'm happy with it i'm just not buying that he's going to be this Aaron Gordon for the rest of the season yeah and the the good news is, is that um so unfortunately Evan Fournier is still listed as questionable um whether or not he's going to be available for the next game but James Ennis has gotten the green light um to to come back well not necessarily the green light but they they don't have him on the injury report so we're assuming that he's going to be um a go-ahead for the next game how important is james ennis um to be incorporated back into um the lineup and and having his presence on the floor i think james ennis is huge because you know before he got to orlando everybody talked about his three-point shooting which we never really saw here uh but what we did see is his defensive effort and his energy um, and I, I, I love him on the court when I, especially like him and MCW from a defensive standpoint, their aggression, their never give up attitude on the play. You can't replace that. And while Dwayne Bacon did have, you know, a couple big games, uh, within the last week, he hasn't shown that he could be consistent, um, on the offensive end. And I, I don't even think it's arguable that Ennis is a better defender than Dwayne Bacon. So because of that, I'd slide James Ennis right back into the starting lineup. Yeah, I think 100%. And even more because I know we'll talk about it briefly, but MCW is not playing tomorrow. So you're kind of forced in a way to to put him back in the lineup, in the starting lineup, unless there's some limitations and minutes restrictions that are in place. But if not, you got to start him right away. Like you mentioned, um, Justin, defensively, much better player. The energy that he brings. And he's a threat from the three-point line. You have to guard him. Whereas MCW and Bacon, teams are like, all right, we'll, we'll be okay until you hit two of them. And that hasn't happened. So uh, I and think also, that will help us tremendously. Can Clifford give Gary Clark Jr. some more play? I mean, 
I think he's his size is good. His defensive awareness is really good. He could shoot the three pointer. I don't see why he fell out of the lineup. Um, and you give Dwayne Bacon more minutes than you give Gary Clark. It's a little confusing to me. Uh, but you know, we've seen that sometimes, even though what Cliff does doesn't make sense initially, it makes sense in the end. So let's see. I mean, with that being said, so uh, Al, you had mentioned that um, MCW will not play on Wednesday due to um, a sore left foot. Evan Forney is questionable. We're looking forward to James Ennis possibly returning. Um, with MCW being out, what would you say, what would be your predict, uh, your prediction of um, who would start? Who would be your starting five? I'm going to just go based on, on what Cliff has done in the past, which is he plays it safe and he uses his guys that he can trust. So I'm going to say faults. Bacon at the two, Ennis at the three, Gordon and Vooch is who we'll see out there tomorrow. I know I saw on Twitter already earlier people were celebrating because that means Cole Anthony is going to be a starter tomorrow. I don't see that happening at all. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the only logical thing because you have nobody else out there. Who else can you can you play at this moment? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because uh, Steve Clifford is he he does things his way. And he's really the one thing that I will say that I like about Steve Clifford is that he's really committed to his second unit. It's not like he's only running seven, eight players and that's about it. He has his first unit. He has his second unit and he won't do anything to kind of hurt the second unit. So an example of that is your shoot, your starting shooting guard is out. The most logical thing to do is to bring your second best shooting guard and put him in the starting lineup. But we know that he's not going to put Terrence Ross in that starting position because he excels hey, um, so we well in the. We don't know game. that. We don't know that. And he could. He's done it. It, it, he, he's done it. It's been. He has it would, done it, but no, no, no. I mean, I mean, the, I mean the opposite. Like he's done. Kept Ross on the bench despite everyone being out that could Correct. possibly start. But he's too, also, like, but he's also put Ross in the game. With an Evan Fournier injury and oh, put him at the yeah, team. Yeah, and Ross will play 30 minutes off the bench. Like he is, yeah, I call him a starter either way because he, he comes off the bench, but minutes wise, he'll play 30 minutes no matter what. Now, yeah. another lineup that I just thought about as we're talking here, don't be surprised if you see Vooch, Cam Burge at the power forward, which we're not a fan of, but yesterday worked against the Cavs. Gordon, Bacon, and Markel Fultz start mm. tomorrow. I can see that just because James N is coming off of his um, injury and you know how this, this team is when it comes to injuries and yeah. and how precaution that they are. So I can definitely see that as a possibility. If they play if they play Kem and Vooch at the power forward and center spot, I guess, well, because Bamba that's, played, that's right? More, so that's more minutes for Mo Bamba. Yeah, you'd expect Mo Bamba to play again, so... I don't know. It'll be interesting. Coach Cliff doesn't really make drastic uh, changes, but he's kind of gonna he's he's gonna be forced to because there's just not enough. I mean, so uh, now now that you brought up Mobamba, it so it it would be difficult to save more minutes for Mobamba because you really don't know how like they 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 baby him so much in a in a way where they're just extremely extremely careful with him. So on Saturday, Steve Clifford had mentioned that um against OKC that that would have been the game that he wanted to incorporate Mobamba into the game, but during I guess the practice he got hit in the head and that that kind of just prevented um them from allowing him to play that game. But we did see him take the floor with 4 minutes left in the fourth quarter against Cleveland in Monday's game. What did you like what didn't you like from Mobamba's appearance? Um, he he played with energy, uh, which is not always the case with Mobamba, right? Like he he went out there and grabbed, I think it was three rebounds, blocked a shot, got an assist, 
in four minutes. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball. He didn't attempt to, to you know, do anything crazy. Um, so, again, it was limited time. Four minutes is not enough time for me to make a, a, a conclusion of what I thought of him. Like, he was so, so short-lived. Um, but I did like the fact that he was running hard up and down the floor. And I like I, I can't wait to see Mo Bamba play together with Cole Anthony. I think their chemistry goes back to the New York days when they were in high school. And Cole Anthony plays so hard all the time. I think that will transfer over to Mo Bamba eventually. And we will see the two of them kind of feed off each other on the energy side of things. Um, so, I mean, for what we saw, uh, no issues. I think he played hard and he did what he had to do. I mean, in just four minutes of play, he had one assist, two rebounds, and one block. He's he's literally the one person on the team that can be effective at what he does. He's a big body. He has a length that can grow like Space Jam. And he can put himself in position to where he's able to impact the game, whether or not he gets a statistic or not. You have to respect him. If if I'm if I'm a player in the NBA and I'm driving to the lane, I would be way more scared to take the ball up against Mobamba than I would Kim Birch. The interesting oh, is yeah. the the interesting thing is like um, last week. <clears throat> excuse me. Last week we wrote an article just at Mo on the Zone BB where we talked about the same thing, right? And what we what we were discussing is that his physical attributes are not the problem. He could block shots because he's massive. You know what I mean? It's not about what he what his physicality is. It's about the motor. It's about the energy. It's about understanding what's happening on the court before him. You know what I mean? And to anticipate those things. That's what makes a great shot blocker. That's what makes a great center, right? It's somebody who can anticipate. And I just haven't seen that. Now, this is your three, I believe, right? Um, so can those things improve? Of course. I don't see a situation where with Ken Birch playing as well as he's pl- been playing um, and Vucevic literally playing at an all-star level, you know, barring injuries, which is the situation we have right now. How do you see Mobamba thriving in that system? And for a young center like him who has faced various injuries already, right, that has limited his progress, he needs to play. He needs like minutes with valuable minutes that count to challenge him. I just don't see where he's going to get that from. Yeah, right now, right now it's tough because Ken Birch is playing at such a high level, and again, he's he's just doing the right things. He's rebounding, blocking shots. He's more assertive on the offensive end. Um, it's going to be tough for Cliff to bench him, or do you get creative and put it at the four? But again, we know how that has looked in the past. Nobody liked that. Whether it's Mo Bamba and Ken Birch or Vooch and Ken Birch, nobody has liked that rotation. And AG playing at the three has no. never proven to be successful. So it's uh, it's interesting for sure. I, I I agree. I think Ken Birch has made it extremely difficult um, for Mo Bamba coming off an injury and still trying to get acclimated and and kind of forcing him to earn his spot back. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm really loving the Cole Anthony Ken Birch duel that oh, I've yeah. been seeing. Uh, Cole Anthony has been doing this thing where he drives it down and he somehow finds Ken Birch right in the middle of the paint. And Ken Birch is coming out with like a little mini hook, mini floater thing that he has going on. And it's been working. And in that Cleveland game, they did it back to back at least twice. Yeah. So it's it's going to be hard because at, at the same time, I do feel as if Terrence Ross and Cole Anthony are the type of players because they're so close with Mo Bamba that they can kind of hold them accountable um, and, and kind of help with that the lack of motor. Um, but at the same time, when you have a player like Ken Birch that is going to make it really difficult, 
anyone that has a competitive mindset they have to view that as motivation they have to view it as you know i was i was a a, a top nba draft lottery and ken birch was undrafted you know it's, it's, it's and kudos, kudos to the magic organization for finding a gem like ken birch um but i i think that you know, it's going to be interesting. This is where we're going to be able to see exactly what type of motor he really has. We talk about how you know it, it may not be great, it may not be, it may not be this, it may not be that. This is where we find out what are you going to do about it, Mo? Yeah, I mean, we may be ahead of ourselves because I'm going back to last night's post game interview with Coach Clifford, and he still said that even though Bamba played yesterday, that doesn't mean that he's ready to see the court yet. He talked about conditioning. He talked about him looking gassed out there last night in his limited time. So. Again, we may not even see Mobamba out there unless that's another blowout, 20-point game, um, which is crazy to think about because, like you said, six pick in the draft. He's had six months to recover from this COVID-19 situation, and we're still dealing with him not having the, 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 the whatever the, the cardio, whatever it may be, that's holding him back to get on a basketball game right now at this stage. Um, again, hopefully he, gets, he is healthy. Hopefully he's back on the court soon. But like we talked about, Ken Burch has made it really, really tough for him to get minutes right now. Yeah, so let, let's get into pass or shoot. So Markel, he's been averaging nine points per game on 33% field goal, and he's been shooting 16% from the three-point line. Um, along, He's he's leading the team with 6.7 assists, averaging about 3.3 rebounds per game. But over the past three games, are we starting to feel a little concerned about Markel Fultz? Um, I'm going to shoot on that. Um I'm probably one of the biggest Markel fans out there. Again, I want to see this kid succeed so bad. We need him to be successful in this team so bad. But I don't know what's going on, man. Like, his first three games, we were here talking about player of the week in my mind, the way he played, almost 20 points a game. He was just creating, shooting the ball confidently. And I don't know what happened the last three games. He just has seemed very hesitant to shoot. Even when he goes to the basket, he's not really looking to finish. It's more of a trying to pass the ball first. He's getting blocked. He keeps getting the ball taken away from him when he's driving to the hoop. I don't know what's going on, but I mean, so to answer the question, yes, I am a little concerned because we cannot afford to have Markel Fultz be our number one ball handler, number one usage rate in our team, and be afraid to create or to shoot the ball. Like He needs to be in control of the game if he's going to be that person. Um, so we need consistency. We talk about AG not being consistent. We talk about the team as a whole not being consistent. This is not going to help to have Markel average 20 points against the Wizards, but then go ahead and average five points against everyone else. Um, so I'm a little concerned, not going to lie. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I, I think that um, I think that while his averages may be low, I think with the exception of the last two, three games, his impact has been felt. And just because you don't see it on the, like, on the points per game stat, doesn't mean it's not happening. You just said he's averaging 6.7 assists per game. That's impact in the game. I think when Markel is on the court with Vooch, they got a really good chemistry going on right now. I think the threat of Markel in the paint, whether he's hitting them or not, is opening up You know, the trail threes by Vooch and Terrence Ross open on the wing. It's creating more opportunities for other guys, and I think that's one of the things Orlando missed. It was like... You don't have scorers, and then you also don't have somebody who can threat in the who can pose a threat in the paint. And I think Markel fills those shoes. Now, do we need Markel to average fifteen plus points per game for us to be successful um, and to be viewed as a threat by others? Yes, but do I think we can 
still win games and be competitive without Markel scoring those 15 plus points per game. I do. Um, I think he's still young. You know what I mean? You look at him as what he's 23 years old. Um, and he's only played one real season in the NBA. This is his second. So I would say give him time. We're what? Seven games into the season. I think it'll, it'll come. Yeah. And I mean, according to Steve Clifford, Markel Fultz is the next Tracy McGrady. (laughs) <laughs> is that what he said <laughs> <laughs> no i mean listen uh i'm i'm pa- i'm not worried about it oh, i'm passing i i think that um markel fultz he's he's a good guy right he's also a good player on the on the court and he's the type of guy that mentally he's not thinking about himself first he's thinking about his teammates and he's trying to get everyone else involved that's why when we take a look at his stat line you know his his assist percentage is is what stands out to you the most and Markel Fultz needs to get to a point eventually doesn't have to be right away where he does need to be a little more selfish, right? Mm -hmm. It took a player like Nikola Vucevic a long time before he got to that point where he's going to look out for himself because he knows that that's what's needed for the team to be successful. I think that Markel Fultz, he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to have his, he's going to have his days. And Steve Clifford said the same thing um, when a reporter asked him the same question, he's going to have his good days. He's going to have his bad days. It's it's that's what basketball is. It's going to be up to Markel um, to not allow that to kind of push him down and and have a, a, a self a low self esteem in regards to how he's playing. And it's gonna it's gonna take for him to keep that positive attitude and and go out there and still still compete like he does. But I think that he's gonna be fine. Now Nikola Vucevic is a player that we really don't have to worry about at all. He's uh, uh I, I would say uh, at least from the Zone BB called him Mister Consistent, right? So. Nikola Vucevic is playing like a damn all-star. Will he get that all-star nod? I I mean, I don't see I don't see how he wouldn't. I think he's the best center in the NBA right now, uh stats-wise. Um I think Jeff Turner and David Steele make a good point during the broadcast to talk about how the game is slowed down for Vuce. Um and I I think it's evident you could just see it. You know what I mean? He, he's going through his paces. He's not rushing based on what the defender is doing. He's responding well. He's confident. And, I mean, his three-point shooting, man, has gotten insanely good. Like, I was joking around the other day. He hit, I think, three or four of them. And I was like, yo, Vooch is about to make his way into the three-point contest. What's going on? Uh, I don't know. For a center, I think he's he's shooting the three ball super well. His confidence is at an all-time high. And his skill set has caught up, and I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's playing the, in the bubble, especially in that series against um, the Milwaukee Bucks. He came out of that series a new man. Like he he learned, hey, I'm the man. I can score. The game slowed down for me. Um, if the Magic continue to play at a high level, and by that I mean 500 or above, like we know our team has limitations. Mm-hmm. But if the team is in a playoff position by March or whenever the All Star break may be. I think you have to give him the nod. Um, if he maintains that average, 22, 10, shooting 40% or above from three-point range, you got to give it to him. So I think um, it, it all depends on team success, though, and not only individual success, but the fact that he deserves an, an all-star nod, <clears throat> 100%. Um, I, I'm looking at um, a website that has the, the top eight best centers in the NBA. And here, here's the list. You got Joel Embiid 1. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, 
Porzingis, Nurchik, Nikola Vucevic, and DeAndre Ayton. So, so really, so really, I'm not, I'm not even taking a look at the West Coast. I'm taking a look at the big man, the big man from the East. You got Joel Embiid and Bam ahead of Nikola Vucevic. If we're talking about All Stars, really, depending on how the lineups kind of end out, we we all know that there isn't going to be an All Star game this year, but we're we're just expecting like a nod, right? I don't know, man. I I like Nikola. I like the way that Nikola Vucevic is playing ahead of. Bam and Joel Embiid. I'm not a fan of Joel Embiid's game whatsoever. Obviously, stats has a lot to do with it, but Nikola Vucevic's shooting has increased because he's shooting way more behind the three-point line. He's averaging, what, five, six attempts per game, and he's being efficient. He's he's at the 50% mark. So, I don't know, man. I, I think that he has a really good shot at it. Yeah, so really quick, I don't think an official determination has been made about the All-Star game yet. Um I think the NBA is still discussing the possibility of having an actual all-star weekend. Uh, but I will say that I, I agree. I don't know. I don't know how Bam Adebayo is considered a higher rated or higher ranked center than Nikola Vucevic. Um, but you, you do also have to consider that it's a popularity contest just as much as it has to do with stats and, whether we want to admit it or not, Nikola Vucevic is not a sexy name nor a player. You know what I mean? He's not flashy. He's not immensely big and physical. He's kind of stuck in the middle. And I think that's why he doesn't get as much recognition. But I think the more consistently that three ball goes in for him, the more awareness, you know, he'll get um, and the more respect he'll get around the league because, you know, being a high level three point shooter, no matter what your size is, is impressive. Um, so I think he just has to continue that. He can't expect for anything to be given to him. This is Orlando. Nobody pays attention to us unless we're on another team's highlight reel. Um, but Vucevic is, is playing up to that all-star uh, level. Yeah, and I think that the main difference between Adebayo and Embiid when compared to Vucevic is the cities they play in, Philadelphia and Miami. You know, yeah. the East Coast, those are big cities. Like you said, Justin, they're going to get recognition just for that. They're on national TV every other week playing in ESPN, NBA TV. So people know the name. Orlando's not. So that's why, to me, it's important that he, him and the Magic play at a high level. Because mm-hmm. if the Magic are surprising the world like they are up to today that we're recording this episode, Vucevic's name is out there. And the highlights, you see it on ESPN, you see it on Instagram here and there. But if the Magic go on a 10-game losing streak and all of a sudden we are in the bottom of the East, that, that all goes away automatically. Yeah, so Vucevic is averaging is averaging twenty one points, eleven rebounds a game, and just to compare, Bam is averaging um, eighteen points and eight rebounds a game. Um, yeah. Something that kind of stood out to me also is I'm not sure if you call it uh, Cole Anthony's story, but Cole Anthony had posted um, uh, a video of Nikola Vucevic dunking on Chicago Bulls Paul Gasol, and I thought it was interesting because it the way that Cole Anthony was kind of recording it, he was recording it on Nikola Vucevic's phone. And it looks like Nikola Vucevic kind of passed him the highlight. So I'm not sure the conversation that happened prior, but it kind of made it seem like the way that I took it was uh, Cole Anthony kind of questioned Nikola Vucevic's athleticism. And Nikola Vucevic was like, yeah, bet, watch this. And it, it shows him just kind of like taking it in on Paul Gasol. And then, you know, Cole Anthony wrote, oh, my God. Like, he was so surprised that he's able to do that. So, um, I don't know, man. Nikola Vucevic, he has he has some type of swagger to him that um, only works for him. And he's 
He's a player. He's he's a one. He's one of the only players that I can honestly say that he would still be a starter on any other team. Depending, no, it doesn't matter what team you put him on. Now, Gary Clark. So obviously, with the um, Okiki injury, it opened up some minutes at the at the power forward uh, for a player like Gary Clark. Um, are you confident that he should be our? He should receive more minutes um, at the power forward position. Are you confident with him as a player getting those minutes? I'm I'm shooting on it. I uh, I like Gary Clark a lot. I think he can contribute offensively. I think defensively, he's not lost out there. Um, he makes the right plays. He seldomly hurts the team based on his you know decisions on the court. And for that reason alone, you have to play him. I mean, you know, without without Okiki, and then you have Aaron Gordon, and who else will play that power forward position on a consistent basis? I don't see Ken Birch sliding over to the four t- consistently. I think that we may see rotations temporarily where Ken Birch plays the four. But overall, I think Gary Clark is the best fit at that position. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to shoot as well. Just when you consider that Okiki, I mean, we know the potential is there. We know his 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 game will get better, and he'll be more confident out there eventually. Um, but as of right now, I think Gary Clark is a better player. He can hit the three just like Okiki can. Um, he's more experienced. He played so well in the bubble for us last year. Mm-hmm. So I think he's the perfect backup to Aaron Gordon. It's kind of that he, he maintains that potential. You have to guard him. It's that threat on the three-point line. But he can also defend really well on the other side. So I think when you sit Aaron Gordon down 10 minutes, 8 minutes, whatever it may be, he can fill those minutes without any issues. Um, now, my concern with the whole situation is having Okiki be out, you know, several weeks, they're calling it. Um, it's It's worrisome just in the in the sense that, again we drafted J.I. Mo Bamba Chuma Okiki and now we've had these dudes unfortunately coming to the NBA either hurt or with a bad injury or get hurt shortly into the NBA career getting started um, I was really hoping that we could keep Okiki healthy all season and we could see him get better each passing week unfortunately this is a step back for him um, I'm confident he'll come back healthy and, and, and be better but um, as a fan it just hurts that out of four draft classes Three of them have been pretty much missed a, a large portion or a significant time um, of that season um, in their rookie year. Yeah, so to, just to answer real quick, and then I have a question for you guys. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm shooting on Gary Clark. I think that he is definitely a serviceable um, power forward that is not afraid to shoot the basketball. If he catches that ball behind the arc, he's going to shoot in. We feel really good about that ball going in. Um, now, Al, you you kind of went down the list of um, our injury-prone draft picks. Between Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, um, Chumo Kiki, between those three players, who would you say will have the healthiest career when it's all said and done? I'm going to go on a limb here and just say Jonathan Isaac. Despite the injury-prone career that he's had up to this point i think he'll figure it out his body will what yeah i think he will Um, my man visited the pope man he got blessed bro he is he is (laughs) he's out of the level now (laughs) but no no on a serious note i think that he'll figure it out man his body if you've seen ji recently man like this dude is huge like he he's put on the pounds he's put in the work i think his body will hold up eventually he'll get there again his last two injuries have been freak injuries there haven't been, he's running up and down the court, and he just, his knee come, blows out. His ankle just gives up on him. It's been freak injuries. He's going for a, uh, you know, a Euro step, 
Unfortunately, Twice. landed on someone's foot. Like it's it's unfortunate, but um, I'm gonna say Ji. For that for that amount for that amount of money, it better be Ji. I disagree. Exactly. I think the the healthiest overall uh, will be Okiki. Um, I think Okiki's build is just sturdier. I think Okiki's body is propor- proportional. Um, so his it's not like his top like he's top heavy or his legs are bigger than you know what I mean I, I feel like his body is proportioned to his size and because of that I think there's less risk for injury there with Jonathan Isaac it doesn't seem that like that's the case right his knee well I would say his legs are smaller and so I think because of that that wear and tear continuously jumping up and down especially as a defensive player going up against bigger dudes that are sometimes twice your size. I think that wear and tear is going to affect Jonathan Isaac. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I would say. Um, I I do think Okiki turns out to have a healthier career overall than Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, man. I disagree with both of you. I'm going with Mo Bamba. Look at that. (laughs) Jonathan Isaac. (laughs) Listen, J.I., he's way too, um, I don't know, man. From what I've seen, he's... He's an aggressive Jonathan Isaac is an aggressive player, man. And he's he's all about getting con he like he's not afraid to take it down the lane. The the way that his body is is structured, he's just a thin player as it is. Yeah. Mobamba's the same way, but uh he's not Euro stepping in between anyone to get to the basket. That dude is jumping straight up and coming straight down. Um and he's been impacted with a lot more COVID as as half of his injury issues like the the biggest issue with him right now is really conditioning more so than anything that's why he can't get on the court uh chumo kiki man he he injured he just injured the exact same leg he got the injury from the acl tear so uh between the three i I would bet my money on mobamba but there was no structural damage to chumo kiki no it wasn't it it, it wasn't yeah and it, it wasn't uh a Euro step, I think it was a pro hop that hurt Jonathan Isaac. Um, the, the so sec- I don't know the second time around. But wasn't it, wasn't his first injury due to Euro step? They were both similar. It was a, the first time he landed on Bradley Beal's foot. The second mm, one, no contact. No, yeah, it, it was yeah. just he just landed whatever he he just gave up on him. Um, I don't know yeah, why I don't somehow know. I want to blame it on Kyle Lowry. There you go. <laughs> like, just my mind instantly goes, a player gets hurt, it's Kyle Lowry's fault. Man, but either way, I hope the three of us are wrong, and I hope the three of them just play 82 games for the rest of their careers. Because, man, we, <laughs> we need to hit on these traffics. <laughs> All right, so the, let, let's talk about this week ahead. So Wednesday, we got Cleveland. Friday, Houston. Saturday, Dallas. Monday, Bucks. So, uh, obviously, the I'm... Uh, I'm considering Wednesday against Cleveland. That that'd be a, a game that I really feel good about. But after that, man, the the Magic got a really tough road ahead. Uh, we got Houston, Dallas, Bucks, and then I want to say following that we play against the Celtics, the the Brooklyn Nets. I believe we play the Celtics twice. I would have to check the schedule. We do. Um, so it's the Celtics twice. It's it's the Nets, the Knicks. It's man. Some man crazy stuff it's that. it's going to be a rocky road. So what what are your predictions for this week ahead? I'm going to go two and two. I'm going to say we beat Cleveland and we surprised the Houston Rockets. I think that the whole James Harden situation still kind of affecting their chemistry a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know about Dallas. That team is just, man, that team is just too good. They haven't played well so far, but they're just too good. Um, And Milwaukee, we know how we do against them, unfortunately. Um, 
Giannis is, is a man of mission. He he wants to get back to the playoffs and, and dominate again. Um, so yeah, I, I think two and two. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree two and two, um, but I disagree on the teams. I think the whole James Harden situation was overblown. Uh, in his debut against the Trailblazers, this man came out with 44 points, 17 assists, four rebounds. I think James Harden is a machine. I think he plays a certain way, and that's the way he's going to play. Um, and I, I expect us to lose to Houston. I think we beat Cleveland, and I think we beat Milwaukee. Um, I don't know. I think Giannis is uh, obviously immensely aggressive. His outside game is still struggling a little bit. Um, but we figured out a defense mechanism for Giannis and the Bucks. Um, that obviously other teams utilized in the bubble because we weren't healthy enough to continue it. I genuinely believe that. Uh, so I expect two wins, one against Cleveland and uh, one against the Bucks. Um, Justin, I'm, I'm drinking out of that same cup. Two and two, Cleveland win Monday against the Bucks win. Um, what I'm excited um, for this game ahead is seeing Wesley Awandu in Dallas. Uh, I really want to see the um, the the role that they give him and see how how well he's he's kind of meshing with them because I've I've always been a Wesley Wandu fan, and then um, the Bucks I want to see what what DJ Augustine how how he's doing in Milwaukee because mm. I'm a big fan of DJ Augustine as well. Um, I like the way that we would have matched up with Milwaukee if we were healthy, and um, I I like. I like the I like the the way that the Bucks are their the roster is kind of structured and I I think that we do match up well again with our with our healthy roster. Um I think that the matchup of the game 100% hands down is DJ Augustine and Cole Anthony. The battle of the second string point guards. That's going to be fun. That that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I want to see AG and Giannis. <clears throat> AG and Giannis for me are it's going to be a really good matchup. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah, especially since uh, AG missed the whole entire um, the the postseason against them. Or, or did he play one game? I don't remember. No, I don't think he did. Whole series. No, no, he missed. The whole Let, let's just call this game against the Bucks a game one. How about that? <laughs> game two. Game two. I, I, I want to keep the win that we took. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. All right, let's close this out. Final thoughts. Final thoughts for me. Call Anthony and Markel Fultz. Make some shots, man. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if you've seen the numbers. Call Anthony's shooting, I think, 23% from the field. Something like 16% from three-point range. Markel, not too far along from there. Um, These young guys are, what well, we as a fan base, are hoping other guys that turn around for us. The young guys that we can kind of see at the, at the wings kind of take over the franchise eventually with J.I. and them dudes. Right now, it's a rocky start to the season, shooting-wise. So I want to see the next four games, the next 10 games. We need them. The schedule gets really, really tough. they got to hit some shots. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say I want to see the role players step up. I think that um, Terrence, Ross, <clears throat> Terrence Ross and Evan being injured has exposed a lot of the shortcomings of this team. Um, and I want to see the role players pick it up. I want to see the guys that don't usually get play show their value and prove that you know we're not <clears throat> a team that gets hot and so we win four games straight um and i i think while our main players are responsible for mostly responsible for getting us those wins i think it's important to have a bench who can produce 
and not just one guy off the bench who comes in and can give you 20, 25 a game. Uh, so I want to see those those role players step up. Yeah, I, Aaron Gordon, to me, he has to be uh, – Nikola Vucevic needs a Robin. Nikola Vucevic is our Batman. So I don't care – Ding, ding, ding. I don't care who it is. I really hope it's Aaron Gordon because I think the two of them together could do a lot of damage. Um, but Vuce can't do it by himself. Terrence Ross is going to do what he does off the bench. Whatever Terrence Ross does should be the the cream on top. Should be the mm-hmm. excuse me the cherry on top. It should be extra <laughs> bonus because that's our second unit. Um, I, I think that AG is going. <laughs> you don't like my analogy? <laughs> no, it, it was a little funny. But go ahead, go ahead. The, the cream that floats to the top of the. What the root beer was that better? Nah, nah, I actually hate root beer. Do you? Sorry, yeah, it must be a Giants thing. <laughs> 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 everything, everything is because it's a Giants thing. Nah, man, I, I think that uh, again, Nikola Vucevic needs some help, and I'm really looking to see who's going to be that player that steps up, um, especially with Evan Fournier being out. But uh, man, that's a wrap. Good episode, guys, and catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.